0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reading Party podcast with Megan and Lexi. This episode continues our season looking at modern retellings of the Iliad and the Odyssey, ancient epics known for both brutal violence and instances of sexual assault. This episode is not suitable for under-18s. We hope you have your favourite beverage and snack ready to go, because we've got our teas and are ready to start spilling the tea on our latest ancient story. Hi. Hi. It's been a hot second. It has. It has. We did like eight million recordings in, I think, two weeks. And then you've been busy and I've had, well, my whole family has had COVID. Uh, And then we're all mostly recovered. It's fine.
1: Okay, that's good. Well, while you guys were dealing with COVID, I was dealing with non-stop travel for a straight month with no rest. So no rest for the weary. So I just got back from Turkey, from Istanbul, uh, like two days ago. So, you know, yeah. Exhausting, was, but, but wonderful. It was exhausting, but wonderful. But now I have to get into actual, really buckle down to thesis mode. Well, before
0: before thesis, because this is, we all know, more important than your thesis... We should finish talking about Song of Achilles.
1: I want to just start this one off and say by saying, I know when we did part one, I was kind of like hung up on the tropes and I wasn't sure if I liked it. And, you know, I was kind of like, it's enjoyable, but I don't know. Let me just say, after reading the second half though, the second half completely redeemed it. So I'm like, <laughs> actually, I love it. It's great. Like maybe I'll leave it as like a, Second half is amazing. First half I could mm, take it or leave it. But like second half, yes. Getting right into it though, just overall, like oh my gosh, what it what 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 did you think? I really enjoyed it. I
0: really, really enjoyed it. So we pick up with them getting to I always forget the island, but they're they're at the beach with all the other Greeks ready to leave and obviously they can't because the goddess is like no. Absolutely not. You can you can just hang out here for a month or so. But I really enjoyed seeing Achilles' character development, because this is something we talked about last time. How do we get from the kind of happy-go-lucky kids to sulking princeling? And you kind of start to see it, actually, I think as soon as we start the second half, because he's very much... I don't really care about this war. I'm just going to hang out on the beach with my best roommate, Patroclus. Uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And, you know, it's all cool. It's great. We're on a beach. It's lovely. And then we have the Iphigenia thing. And it was it was interesting because this... I feel like this adaptation plays it in a way that again is slightly different to everything else we've looked at in that achilles actually thinks he's getting married he's part of the trick but he doesn't realize it is a trick so he's he's there he's ready to get married and it's all like he's obviously not super thrilled but you know you've got to do what you've got to do and, and patroclus is still going to be his you know best roommate bud so that's all great and then obviously if murdered horribly by her father and i feel like that's kind of the start of
1: achilles
0: do we want to say downward trajectory is that a fair assessment
1: yeah it's kind of like a it's kind of like a spiral right like like just because i i I like spiral because it's like that just kind of implies that one thing kicks it off but you don't like just go straight down you just sort of start to kind of go down at an angle but then one thing happens and then you go down more 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 and then yeah finally you find yourself at the bottom so yeah definitely I would say downward spiral also yeah I definitely want to just register that most of the time not only is he like oblivious but he's just not even told so, so for, for from having him be like not even aware that anything was happening to OK, maybe I expected. it. OK, may- maybe they would just sort of tell him to, to go along with it, but tell him the real. Re- I don't even know. But uh, I, you know, I've learned not to assume with adaptation. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. They could have just told him something, anything. Yeah. So it was weird. I mean, the, the murder of an innocent child never gets any easier in any adaptation. Right. I mean, they're all but it's interesting. They're all done so differently that. We have kind of a staple of Iphigenia murders to sort through now. Is that terrible? No, you're right. They're all, they're all different. And they're all horrific. They're all horrific. I don't know. Like At this point, we have so many Iphigenia murders that I can start to compare like the actual scenes and the moments where I'm like, okay, well, I can start ranking them of like worst to not horrible. Worst to least worst. yeah. Although there's, I suppose, no version of least worst when you're murdering a child, but sure, sure. I don't know. Is there anything that surprised you about the f- at least the first part of the second half? Yeah, I think how very unwilling Patroclus was
0: to engage in the actual fighting. Because you kind of get a hint of that early on, because he's he's more interested in the surgery side of things when they're uh, living on the mountain, and he's like gets in trouble for sneaking off from his warrior lessons i guess so but i was still a little surprised he just has absolutely zero interest in any of the fighting or any of the glory or any of like the hero stuff and it goes from him kind of just being expected to go to it's described as he went every day and then he went maybe a couple of times a week and then it was maybe once a month and then it was really just when achilles asked him to go the rest of the time he'd like hangs around the camp and spends time when briseis arrives spends time with briseis and takes up being a doctor and it was it was nice it gave a, a nice contrast to achilles as this like uber warrior to have patroclus be like actually no I'm good, I'm just going to hang around and and do things that don't involve killing other people.
1: I really was surprised by the whole... I mean, I think maybe it makes sense because I'm influenced by, well, one, the original source material, but I mean, if I'm thinking about adaptations, I, I think I have this image of the Patroclus from the Brad Pitt Troy, because he's so eager, you know, he's like, I want to go and fight and you won't let me and I'm blah, 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 blah. So I think I just have this perception of him as like a young, eager guy. And the reason he couldn't go fight a lot was only because he was young and inexperienced, not because he genuinely hated war, like didn't want to go kill people. So that really took me by surprise. And I really liked actually how he sort of helped with the sort of camp doctor and then became a doctor (laughs) and 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 then once Briseis is added to the mix I love how she was like well I can show you the herbs of the land and I can show you how to be more of a healer and I'm familiar with this land because usually I feel like maybe in some of the stuff we've looked at but usually the the relationship between Patroclus and Briseis isn't super well fleshed out And so for this one to have, like, a full-on build-up of we work together, and then we're friends, and then I got so caught by surprise. So for anyone who hasn't read this, Briseis, I know in all the other adaptations, like the movies, she's, like, going straight for Achilles, but I was like, then this one, she actually doesn't really go for Achilles, but she's, like, approaching Patroclus and being like, have you ever wanted to be a father? oh well i can bear your children for you if you want them i have a uterus if you're interested i was like are you offering yourself as a surrogate or is this like the first surrogacy i didn't know So i didn't know if
0: it was surrogacy or if it was she's gen- like genuinely romantically in love with patroclus and this is like she knows he's in love with achilles but this is a way that she can be important to him and in his life without trying to compete with achilles
1: I mean, she even offered up a threesome. She was like, I know you love him. So she's like, we could just have him join us. And he was like, "Uh." that was genuinely shocking.
0: Yeah, that was it was a surprise. It was I thought it was really sweet. And I think this Briseis is my second favorite Briseis of all the ones we've seen. First favorite being from Troy Fall of a City, because I thought she was she was super cool. But this Briseis, she's very three dimensional. And the, re- like, the reason she and Achilles don't have a relationship is because he killed her whole family. So Achilles is like, I'm just going to stay away because obviously you don't like me and that's, you know, that's fine. And she's like, no, I, I have zero interest in you because you're a murdering warmonger. But like she teaches Patroclus the language and then they kind of go about this weird rescue mission where Patroclus tells Achilles when they when the soldiers come home with prisoners of war, he tells Achilles, okay, try and get these women because we can keep them safe. And like Achilles does his, his best. And they come home with, with these women and Briseis kind of takes them under her wing and looks after them and they teach them Greek and how to be like useful around the camp and keep them safe from being made into essentially sex slaves. And for a lot of these women, it's, it's nice how it's described because Briseis gives them a purpose and gives them value and makes them feel safe. And then they go off on their own and kind of choose from the men, like form relationships and camp marriages. And it's described as like they have children. And Patroclus, I think at one point, describes it as they form this village, like this big family village. And it was a really, really nice dimension to something, because obviously they're there for 10 years. It's, it's not a short war and people do form relationships. And obviously there are going to be children running around, which is something you don't necessarily think about when you read the Iliad or when actually you read any of these other adaptations, there aren't children in the Greek camp. And they very obviously would have been because you're like taking all of these women as, as slaves. And we, we all know where babies come from and it's, it's not the Storks. So, yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed
1: that whole little added bit of detail. I guess I want to point out the when Agamemnon takes Briseis. You know, we were kind of like, you know, from the Achilles we're used to, we were kind of like, so how is he going to react to her being taken? And I don't know. Was it kind of what you were expecting? Because I mean, it, it huge closer to the tr- traditional source material. You know, it's not um, super far like in Wrath Goddess. But um. I wasn't expecting it to
0: be so close to the original because I couldn't see how Madeline Miller would get the Achilles we had to the Achilles that we would need for that particular thing to happen. But I think it it worked very well, and because throughout the second half of the book, until you get to that point, you see Achilles becoming slowly but surely more and more arrogant, because I think he's never had the the option or the opportunity to show really how much of a warrior he is and how good of a fighter he is. Like, he knows he's the best, but knowing something and then being able to actually compare yourself to other people doing that same something and realize oh my god i am so much better than literally all of you this war would be over without me and then then you start to remember he's he's what a 19 year old kid I mean, a little bit older, obviously, because they've been there a couple of years. When by the time Briseis arrives, but he's a child essentially, and he's a child who's been thrust into the spotlight, and a big thing is made of him by the rest of the soldiers, especially right at the very beginning of the second half. You've got all of the like the combined armies of the Greek kings chanting his name, and it, it's described as when he comes out on deck when they finally arrive with the rest of the armies like the sun shines off him and he seems to grow in size and it's clearly Thetis like making him like shining his godhood i guess and making him more magnificent for the mortals watching so that's that's kind of where it starts and and he's like i said he's he's got this arrogance now he's got this kind of hubristic notion and he's not wrong right the war would end without him he's gone from this kind of nice gentle boy in love with another very nice gentle boy to this kind of arrogance like late teen early 20s warrior and uh, i mean what Agamemnon does is an absolute slap in the face and in that context with the changes that achilles has been through actually it makes a lot of sense the way he responds to briseis being taken and what i really liked about how madeline miller does this is she makes achilles the bad guy which I was definitely not expecting. Because in all of the others, he's powerless, he can't stop um, Agamemnon taking Briseis, and he goes and he's mad and he mourns her, and depending on, like, what, what edition we're reading. And in this one, he lets her be taken. They explain that there's not an awful lot he could do. I mean, if he really wanted to, he could go and get her. It would cause problems, but he could do it. He deliberately chooses not to, because by... Agamemnon raping Briseis, that creates this huge moral point of conflict, not just for Achilles, but for the rest of camp, which gives Achilles an excuse, essentially, to challenge Agamemnon. And that's what Achilles is driving at. And that is why Patroclus, so in this adaptation, Patroclus goes to Agamemnon uh, like with a knife, and you're convinced. Oh, he's going to go and fight for for his his best lady friend. No, he goes. He cuts himself to swear a blood oath. Like, the, what I say is is the truth. And he um, he explains to Agamemnon, look, if you rape this woman, you will be letting all of hell loose. Treat her well, and Achilles will have nothing against you. Like nothing legally. I mean, legally is probably the wrong term, but like nothing morally, ethically. To come at you with, so you will keep yourself safe, and by doing that, he Patroclus keeps Briseis safe, and then Achilles is super pissed at him because now, like, his whole plan is is in ruin. But it was it was very interesting the way that she twisted that to make Achilles the bad guy. What what about? Sorry, that was a super long answer. <laughs> what about you?
1: No, but it was so good. It was so good, and I mean, you're 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 spelling it out for everyone who hasn't uh, read this adaptation. So I definitely want to say that it caught me by surprise because normally this again the idea of Patroclus is know how to stand by Achilles no matter what blah 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 mm-hmm. kind of you know just broken record but but then to have him go to Agamemnon and when you're thinking so how does he you know how does this 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 all happen I mean I really thought that uh, Patroclus was gonna go like kill himself not even just swear wear a blood oath the fact that mm. he was like i'm going to slash my wrist right here in front of you and you know let myself die i was like what and then of course he doesn't but that was shocking yeah for sure and then yeah the fact that he gives clues agamemnon into this and he's like aha okay you're willing to betray your best mm-hmm. roommate okay yeah. i like this no that was definitely shocking but definitely appreciated so mm-hmm. I, I was like i mean sucks to suck for achilles and patroclus but hey per is safe yay. yay you know no brutal rape in the ancient world that was a uh, sort of half victory yeah it was interesting how i kind of enjoyed how she did the whole patroclus would sort of sit there and get through the worst and sort of as things were getting bad for the Greeks, you know, I think she has that beautiful scene where she's describing the, the Greek ships being attacked and burned, and, and, and you have Patroclus making this very, very emotional plea where he's like, look, man, our ships are freaking burning. If they burn everything, we're not only trapped here, but we def- we really won't go home. And he's like, you know, what if they come here? You're going to let them come to the beach and burn the ships? And Achilles gives him some flippant answer, right? Where it's like, well, if they come and attack my ships, okay, I'll defend it so I can have a route home. But no, 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 I'm going to let everyone else just be screwed. That was quite shocking. And I, I so... To have and see him just sort of sit there on principle. That's the thing. It's principle. Yeah, he was just like pouting on principle where it was like, no, no. I was disrespected. So even if I want to, I, I can't fight. No, no, mm-hmm. no. And I was like, oh, my God. The, it Honestly, it reminded me of people that I've encountered in life who will do something so annoying just based on principle. And I'm like, I understand. But you know what? This is like... Life or death, this is quite important. Can you just pout later? Maybe not do the
0: thing that you're doing
1: exactly. So, it definitely reminded me of like people I've met in life that do that, and so it made me pissed remembering those. So, it made me more pissed at Achilles, and I was like, all right, man, all right. Although, I was really curious to see how the beginning of the end would come for patroclus right because you know in some adaptations he steals achilles armor and just like runs out and kicks people and in this one i was so shocked to see that he had to like convince achilles when he was like okay our ships are gonna burn what can we do he's like i cannot fight and he's it came off to me as borderline like a desperate sort of like hmm of course I don't it doesn't make me happy to see my friends being slaughtered and their ships being burned. So he's like this in this weird I, I, I don't like this don't get me wrong I don't but I can't fight. I won't fight. So maybe I was also influenced by the guy reading the audiobook because he he wasn't like like he doesn't act really. It's it's all kind of it's a <laughs> a soft voiced man who can't put too much emotion in it. So I don't know, the impression I got was it was a sort of desperate, like, I'm looking for an excuse, something, you got to give me something, I can't go. And so when Patroclus was like, well, if you lent me your armor, we could pretend. And at first, you know, he's, and he's like, no, 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 why would I do, no. And then he's like, yeah, no, no, but, but it works. So he somehow convinces Achilles that just the, the specter of an Achilles-like figure, even the armor would be terrifying enough the rumor of his name and he was like i mean you're you're not wrong he's like i am terrifying obviously is the best (laughs) so he's like of course they would be right to shake in their boots if they even hear of my name coming so i was very interested how he literally had to convince him and then he said yes and then he like laces up the armor on patroclus himself and then like, you know, and and I kind of love the little tutorial he was giving him. He's It's like the impersonate Achilles 101 where he was like, well, they'll know you're not me because you can't fight like me. So um, don't throw the spear. Don't fight. Um, yes, you can, you know, sort of bang it around. And he's like, here's a sword. Oh, but don't, don't use a sword. And I'm like, well, this, defeats, this, this completely defeats the purpose of being in
0: battle. I really, sorry. I really liked two things about this whole section. I feel like um, Madeleine Miller really captured the desperation of the Greek camp very nicely because you have Patroclus walking through and all of these wounded soldiers are coming by and he remembers healing them previously and now they're wounded or they're dead or they're dying. And then it describes um, Hector kind of climbing up onto one of the ships and throwing a flaming torch into it. You really get the feeling that this is... If something doesn't happen, this is the end of the Greeks. And I don't think I've had that feeling in any previous of the adaptations we've looked at. It's been bad, but it's not been like, okay, this is it, guys. We are going to die. And I really also enjoyed, because you've had this whole description of Patroclus as someone who, A, doesn't like fighting, and B, isn't very good at it, it really kind of plays into the desperation that he must feel, but also how outlandish this plan is like there's no way he's going to be taken as achilles and then magically somehow he is
1: (laughs) yeah no i definitely definitely agree because to have the guy who doesn't want to go kill people literally be like yes dress me up and send me out it was a bit of a shock and then you're like okay i get it and i guess like also to contrast it with like the brad pitt troy he just goes running out and 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 pushing the Trojans back. And in this one, he's put in the chariot with Achilles' own chariot driver. And he was like, yeah, just stay with him. He will drive you around. You'll just chase them back. And then, you know, he'll take care of you. So just... Honestly, it made me... Because he was basically describing the use of the chariot like a like an ancient taxi, basically. Yeah. It made me flash back to... My favorite professor in undergrad, my my wonderful art history professor, um, Dr. Sue Langdon. Shout out to her. Um, She, when I remember, because I was sitting in class in my Greek art and architecture course, and we saw a chariot, and she basically asked everyone, "Okay." Does anyone know the purpose of an ancient Greek chariot, like how they used it and really what it was for? And everyone was like, Yeah, yeah, you charge into battle with it, you fight, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, No, it was an ancient Uber. You would take it from point A, it would drop you off to point B, you jump down, the chariot goes away, you fight, and then it comes and picks you up and takes you back. And so the fact that they're like, Madeline Miller's describing the Uber like uses of this chariot when Achilles. Most accurate chariot depiction so far. Yes. So I thought of that and I was like, yes, oh my God, she got it. I was like, please tell me this came from like an art history class or some some other history class. I'm like, this is so accurate. Um, And I would say it's funny because that's kind of what I was looking for in some of the theatrical adaptations. I was like, so are they going to just show everyone like charging into battle because that's not historically accurate? Like, or are they going to take it like point A to point B? So I'd noticed that in Troy, Fall of a City and the Brad Pitt Troy, Some scenes, they did use them accurately like a taxi cab, but then there was charging. So I was like, no, you just ruined it. Okay, okay. But uh, good job, Madeline Miller, for having the literary form of uh, accurate ancient Ubers. So I did enjoy that. Um, So then skipping forward a bit, he goes, Patrick goes. He does not follow the plan. And he does not follow the plan because, you know, he says, okay, just drive them back to Troy and then come back. So he drives them away. They're very afraid of the specter. But then he just gets, um, I don't know, what A would you quote. call it? Like, I, I don't know if it's he gets caught up in it or if there's some, like, divine
0: intervention that isn't explicitly spelled out. Because, he, like, he goes into this battle frenzy, it seems, and, like, doesn't immediately give himself away. He manages to kill some people and the chariot driver's like, dude, this is a bad idea. What are you doing? We have to go back now. And then he jumps off the chariots by ancient Uber and like starts scaling the walls.
1: Yeah, not only did he push them back but like he, somehow he ended up alone at the walls of Troy. I couldn't figure that out. I was like, how did you I end I think up what alone? happened was
0: he kind of, he pushed them away from the camp, but then they went so far and so fast. They kind of went around behind them
1: okay. and then
0: he saw the walls and he was like, I can totally climb these and just take the city. Of course, <laughs> why would you not do this? And then as he's climbing, there's this apparition of Apollo, like, just hanging out on the walls. And it describes how Apollo picks him up off the wall and drops him back down. And Patroclus is like, uh, no, no, no. And then he starts climbing again. And, and Apollo is like, I don't, I don't think so, friend. Goodbye. And removes him again. And then all of the Trojans catch up with him. And Hector's there. And then it's all over. And the last like, living moments of Patroclusism going, you cannot kill me because if you... Well, like, internally, because obviously you can't articulate this when Hector is stabbing you in the stomach. But he's he's thinking, you can't kill me because if you kill me, then Achilles is going to kill you. And you being alive is the only thing keeping Achilles alive. Once you're dead, he is... His days are numbered. And it's just... And then, obviously, he, he is... Well, he meets his end, as Patroclus always does.
1: Yeah. I was... I remember us speculating about what happens after Patroclus mm. dies. Does the book end there? Does you know? Do we have like a little epilogue? Were you shocked? As shocked as I was about what happened after he dies, I was. Yeah, I was surprised by how much of the book was left,
0: and um, I wasn't surprised by how it was told. It wasn't what I was anticipating, but it, it was. I think one of the the possibilities we discussed it was i think we said is it uh told in the third person is it told from patroclus like observing as a ghost and there was another one i can't remember what um but they madeline goes with the ghost route um which was nice i enjoyed the continuity of the narrative voice and mm-hmm. it it did allow for a good amount of the story like after even achilles death to be told what did you think
1: yeah i really liked it i Again, had no idea which route she would take. I must admit, I probably wasn't expecting that she would go the ghost or sort of unfinished spirit route. I think I was more expecting, not like a narrative change completely, but maybe like a more epilog narrator type thing uh, but 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 I actually really enjoyed how how it went much more because then you that way you don't have to sort of adjust to anything it's still patrickless but just from a really different perspective so I did enjoy that and um yeah I mean the whole time he was dead you just kind of see and hear of what happens I was shocked that ghost spirit i want to say like he's not really a ghost he's like a wandering spirit but i don't even know what to call him so i'm calling him ghost spirit or spirit ghost um so spirit ghost patroclus um it's like he accompanies achilles everywhere and he's i don't want to say he's like his personal lar like in you know roman mythology or times you know the, the the household spirits who just like follow you but but I definitely, I was like, oh my god, he's like the personal lar of Achilles because he he like goes in the tent and he's like, I miss you, and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, all you need is like a little household shrine, and then it's Roman suddenly, um, not really, but yeah, I don't know. I I kind of enjoyed though how even after Patroclus dies, you still get to hear of the end of the war, and I really enjoyed how you hear of the duel with um achilles in uh was it um the scamander river mm-hmm. also i think now that i'm remembering i don't i was i don't know why i was caught off guard but the but patroclus dueling sarpedon um that was a new one for me i was like wait what he's dueling sarpedon Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I was just—it was there. Were, there were a couple of things that just caught my attention. I was like, Patroclus duels Serpedon, and Achilles is actually actually dueling the Scamander River." I
0: thought the 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 god duel was a really nice touch because we know how amazing Achilles is in battle. So I feel it like if it was just a, a duel between him and Hector, this version of Achilles—I mean, we we see it—he cuts him down instantly. Kind of like in Wrath Goddess, actually. So it wouldn't mm. really have been the epic duel that maybe we're expecting. But with a river god, he's more than a match for Achilles, and you get a bit more of that excitement and a bit more of that epic flavor, I guess, than than I think we would have done if it was just straight up Achilles and Hector.
1: True. Also, wait, am I remembering this correctly? Did we get the whole? after patroclus dies there's a fight over achilles armor and the trojans have it so then achilles still needs his new armor like in the original source material or
0: i don't remember that being excuse me i don't so he they do have his armor and Thetis does bring him something else but it's not i wouldn't say it's like a major plot point
1: no that to me that was one of the little nuggets uh, for Classicists, but just just because for those who are unfamiliar with the original source material, um Patroclus' body is stripped of Achilles' armor and it is taken as a trophy by the Trojans. And then when Achilles needs to go and fight, he basically prays to his mother, who brings him new armor forged by the gods, essentially. And in in the Iliad, we get this beautiful description of the armor. So we get basically a necrassus. Um, which I remember going over a hundred times because two of my professors, all they they, they loved Ekphrasis. So they loved watching and describing the armor and the scenes on the armor. So um, when I think what I read or listened to, was so, oh gosh, it was like three weeks ago. But when I listened to it, I think I remember that it was kind of a minor thing, which is, oh, hey, I brought you new armor. But to even include that, I was like, oh my God, that's a nod toward us. Yeah, it was cool. And then it's...
0: You kind of, during the the fight, extended fight with Hector, it's described as he's wearing Achilles armor and it doesn't fit him quite properly because he's, um, I can't remember if he's, I think he's a bit taller than Achilles, so like the greaves don't fit properly and um, it was, it was a nice touch. It wasn't the Equestress maybe that, uh, the Iliad would, would have us include, but it was, it was a nice touch.
1: Yeah. So, I yeah, so again, with the duel with the Scamander River, he's more than a match. It seems like Achilles is tiring and actually going to lose because he was like, I'm a god. And as much as you think you are, he's like, you're not one yet. And he's so cocky and arrogant at this point that he's like, no, I am and I can beat you. So he does actually beat back the River commander and is allowed to continue, which I thought was a, a really cool touch. So, yeah, again, the duel with Hector, not big and epic like in the Hollywood movies at all just kind of like kills him and he's like okay well you know cool drags his body back the the scene with Priam coming to beg Achilles for his son's body was a bit shorter than I was expecting but I was kind of like I mean at the end of the day it's not it doesn't need to be a big thing because I was like in the sort of film adaptations we've seen because they put so much emphasis on the duel I feel like if they're going to put that much emphasis on it, you need to have this big thing about Prime coming and begging for his epic warrior son who challenged Achilles so much and, you know, blah, 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 and respect for... But if he's cut down almost instantly, then he's basically reduced to kind of any other soldier. And so it's not really worth spending time on this big plea for just another regular guy. So from the perspective that this book takes, it made sense that that scene was pretty short. So I was like, okay, fine, fine. Um, so then when we get toward the end, though, when Achilles dies... Well, hes I feel like he's been
0: spending, since Patroclus has been killed, it he's been spending the whole time just waiting for someone to kill him. Like, every jewel he has is kind of, he's hoping this is going to be the one that ends him. Which was... Again, a a different take, I think, to some of the other adaptations we've read. And I think obviously a direct result of the relationship that you see develop in the first half of the book between uh, Achilles and Patroclus. Like, you know, once one is down, the other one isn't going to want to stay around for much longer. So the end, Achilles' end, he's like described as almost skulking around the battlefield like this old, tired lion. He's still deadly as hell but he's just he's done he is so tired and it was it, it was a really poetic description i liked it
1: mm-hmm. so i want to get into because there was still i thought maybe then it would kind of end with achilles death. there's still a bit more after achilles death that i was not expecting how much did you hate neoptolemus oh my god i was like you fucking little prick i
0: could just He was the worst character in the whole thing, easily, and I am very glad he only turned up at the very end.
1: But it's, it was hard because I was also balancing, like, the version of him that we got through Andromache's eyes in ships, in A Thousand Ships. Because in that one, like, you know, he's Achilles' son. He does this, that, and the other thing. He takes her as a... Like, he, he does your classic Greek victor thing. But at the same time, the way that Natalie portrayed it, he wasn't awful. Like, she didn't love him when she had to remarry. But then, you know, from that description, you know, he gave her a son. And then she actually sort of tolerated him because then... They would talk and do this. And then even after he died in that one, you know, he allowed her to blah, blah, blah. So seeing Neoptolemus described in that way and then seeing him here, I was like, oh my God, what, what did someone, I was like, no wonder Natalie had to um, like redo, like rehabilitate you because if, if this was all we got, this would be absolutely horrifying. And oh, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. And you, it's, it's fascinating and he arrives fresh from skiros and he's just he's this little short shrimp and he's just like i'm my father's son. like i don't know about you but i gave him in my head my head voice was like super young sort of more prepubescent know, like, yeah yeah high-pitched sounds like more like a young girl than a boy honestly
0: it it shows so much that he's been raised by thetis right because he has this absolute hatred and disregard for anything mortal and everything except his dad is absolutely worthless and um he hates patroclus absolutely despises him refuses to have patroclus um like buried with his father he's also like the sole reason why i can't remember her name the trojan princess is sacrificed because he's like my father deserves the best and you're just sitting there thinking this is 100% 100% not what Achilles would have wanted. This is what you think he would have wanted because the only thing you've heard about him is through Thetis. And we'd like... I mean, we've all seen how Thetis is throughout the course of this. She's she's also pretty horrific. But he was god-awful. Hates him.
1: Yeah, I mean... And he didn't want to admit that his father was a little bit gay. Like, he was just like... No, my father was the...
0: But it, like, it, it didn't seem like it was homophobia. It was this whole mortals are bad thing.
1: Yeah, no, we definitely want to make be very clear. He's not homophobic. He's just, I don't want to acknowledge that my father loved this person because he was mortal. And it would impugn my father's godlike reputation if it got known that he had a quote-unquote weakness for a mortal so it's like if you're a god you basically hate all of humanity and to keep that image you cannot love them so yeah Yeah. weird but yeah unpleasant and
0: then they all leave and you're like but patroclus
1: well i hated how he treated briseis yeah that was were you expecting that i was like "Mm."
0: i wasn't i wasn't
1: because she even was like i'm gonna submit to you
0: yeah he's convinced that there is no way you would have had value except as a bed slave and the fact that a has never touched her a she must be lying like don't lie to me i'm not lying yeah and, mm-hmm. you, and then you remember he's a child he's an arrogant horrible child and this woman has been through so much and now she's at his whim it's
1: just deeply unpleasant and her ending was shocking because you think she's going to get away because, you know, she she submits to him initially. And she's like, well, I guess I'll just and then when you she sees that he's completely horrible, she was like, I'm going to try to kill him. And then, of course, she didn't realize, like, how hard you have to work to like kill a dude. So she basically tries to, like, stab him. But she doesn't drive the knife hard enough. And so he's, like, bleeding and he gets pissed. But she, like, runs away and then starts swimming. And you're like, OK, she's going to she's going to do it. She's going to do it and she's it's described as her being so far out that like no person could actually hit her but of course this is the son of achilles so he's the only person who has that skill so he like throws a spear and it hits her and then she like drowns and then i think he tries to find her body but can't yeah and can't
0: i did i did like that she was finally
1: free i did like that too but also i wish she hadn't died (laughs) I wish she hadn't died but also I mean I guess if her home her city was burned the Greeks won and then neither of the two people she cared about most uh, sort of yeah. um were gone and there was no one to protect her yeah. I was like no her life would have been so shit and so hard if she had survived so I'm like no she and at this point for me I was thinking at least she gets to die in Troy yeah so she's not taken far from her home as a slave and then dies in a foreign land I'm like she gets to die in the sea I was trying to think I was honestly trying to remember um I was just and it was so funny because I was just I when I was in Turkey I took a day trip down to Troy and saw all the layers of Troy one through nine and so I saw i mean it's quite inland there is water but you have to go out and sort of sort of toward the coast and um so i was thinking like the closest real sea that's not the mediterranean would have been the sea of Marmara. um but it's interesting because i know that sometimes it's mentioned in certain adaptations that there's like a sea of propontis and I'm like i really don't freaking know where this is but um clearly not next to Mm. actual troy so if there's anyone who actually knows where this sea of propontis is where please tell pray tell is this because it's not near the actual side of troy any of them inquiring minds want to know i do want to know i'm very curious but anyway yeah so i'm like this, the closest sea is the sea of marmara and then you have just like the the aegean mediterranean whatever so um i was like yeah so she died kind of far but also there in Mm. Troy. So I was like, good for her. Um, And yeah, so then everyone leaves. Um, And then... And you've got Patroclus just kind of hanging
0: out at Achilles' tomb because he's not been buried. Yeah. And you're
1: like, well, yeah. And then Thetis shows up and they have an interesting convo between spirit and goddess and you're thinking like oh man she still hates this guy like what is she gonna she's not gonna help him and then she's like in such pain over her son though that she was like describe him to me and i was shocked that she like stayed to actually listen listen to this it was it
0: was a nice because these mm -hmm. are like the final scenes it was a nice ending because you've got patroclus remembering the man he loved
1: and not just the battle-hardened warrior. You get, like, all the, the nice stories and... Like, the way the sunlight shone on his hair and... Yeah, and then you just get all these, like, good memories. And I'm sure that, you know, you know talks about their little sabbatical and um, just, like, all the good good things that happened throughout their lives together. Which is all stuff that is missed, because even though,
0: like, a big thing is made of her being able to see him, it's not like she participated in any of this. And... I don't know if it's made explicit but i strongly suspect she chose not to participate because that would have meant lowering herself into the mortal world which is so much against everything that she is and everything she believes in so it she missed almost his entire life and i felt again it's not made explicit but i felt like she was probably regretting it especially saying like neoptolemus is dead as well he was like her last shot at at having one of her her descendants and
1: he and he died not too long after he got back to greece anyway so
0: so yeah it it was a really nice scene for me and then she gets up to leave and she's put his name on the tombstone with achilles and then he kind of like disintegrates into the afterlife
1: yeah no, I thought that was. I mean, after all that we've been through with Thetis, she's like the last person you would imagine would finally give him the the eternal peace that he's seeking, because he was literally like, unless I am buried, or at least if I have, if I don't have a grave with my name on it, I cannot enter the afterlife. And sort of, he talks about you know this this idea that being without achilles fraternity is unbearable and he's like please 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 i mean and i felt so bad because before all the greeks left he was like begging he begged odysseus and he was like odysseus can you talk to neoptolemus and odysseus tries yeah oh he really did and he was like you know we should bury everyone your father would have wanted this he said he was his closest companion and he's just and neoptolemus of course is just like not having no. it. he's like no, no 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 of course not um but i just felt so bad i mean it was literally like begging everyone until the Greeks left in this, this sense of overwhelming despair when they leave and he's like well I guess I'm never going to the underworld so I guess yeah when the Greeks left I expected no he was just going to be stuck forever and then when Thetis came I was still thinking up to that point oh she's just coming to have like a last laugh with him and
0: I was expecting more gloating from her
1: yeah I was just going to be like, ha, 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 my son is going to be remembered forever. He has this ginormous monument and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, you're... you're. And he's safely in the afterworld, away from you, and you can't like pollute him anymore. And Yeah, so I was like... Yeah, so I think it was just a really happy sort of surprise for her to be like, thank you for humanizing him. I will do you this one final kindness. And phew, here you go. Um... And then the book ends and you're like, oh, what a beautiful ending. What a beautiful ending. It was a very good ending. It really was. Yeah, I just, I like how, well, that's two adaptations now where I like how you feel a sense of closure at the end, right? So the last thing we did was ships Mm -hmm. and it ends with Andromache not being like, 100% 100% happy but she's redeemed and so you kind of just know that like she's married to a Trojan prince she's kind of a princess again she's safe and you get like she's safe
0: and she has her status and she has kind of family and
1: yeah so it ends with like that and then to have this the very next thing we do also sort of end with like it's again not like super happy but like you know things aren't just terrible because hey he will get to join Achilles in the underworld now I really Have learned. I I like these sort of closure endings. Not happy fairy fairy, not happy fairy tale for sure, but closure. And that's I think one thing that like we didn't really get with Troy fall of a city. Right? Because you that ended right before they left Troy, but you knew it was just going to suck for everyone, and it was just. But I mean, again, it fit the tone. It was gritty and stuff. So you're like, okay, well, I'm not expecting. I wouldn't even expect closure from that because of how gritty and gory it was. Um, the Troy movie, well, because it's a movie and it's Hollywood, they have to kind of end it on some sort of epic thing. So I, that's kind of closure with the funeral of Achilles. So again, not really closure. Um, I don't even, at this point, I, I, I am trying to remember. How did the Helen of Troy end? Was that closure or was that... Tied up in a bow, Hollywood style. It ends with... Doesn't it end with Clytemnestra stabbing
0: Agamemnon to death? And then Helen and Menelaus meeting in the stables and he's like, I don't expect you to love me, but you can come with me and I will look after you.
1: So that's that's kind of closure. That is closure because she, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is closure because she willingly follows him and he's happy he's happy that she's coming back and is willing to sort of be his wife again and i did now i remember i did like that a lot better because that was also so different from the last thing that you have menelaus say to helen in helen of troy was the you don't have to love me i'd be i'd take care of you if you came so she goes versus the one in fall of the city where he's where she's like you can have my body in your bed, but my heart will remain in Troy. And he's like, great, that's all I need you for. You know, and I'm like, okay, well that's not closure, that's just fucking horrible. Um so yeah, 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 no. That's just trauma. Exactly. PTSD. So I I guess I, I definitely learned that I like closure. I don't need fairy tale. I don't need tie up in a bow, have everything be hunky dory. I just need some sort of finality. Where it's not, where you know at least it's not going to be, like, horrid. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess overall I can say I definitely enjoyed it, especially the second half. Um, would recommend, would read again. Would recommend the audiobook because it, it is read by this man with this incredible like soothing dulcet voice it's it's super calming although you might actually fall asleep i did like three times um but but it's it's quite wonderful
0: make sure you have a coffee when you read it
1: really you do want to or or i mean you probably wouldn't fall asleep if you're just like doing stuff i mean i made the mistake of i was like lying in bed in a dark room at night and i was like i'll just listen to this as a bedtime story and of course i'm in an environment where i'm like i'm gonna fall asleep so maybe just don't lie in bed if you're semi-tired because you will fall asleep as long as you're like sitting up on a couch or walking or doing things you'll you'll be fine um i don't know yeah any ending thoughts about the book i think just that just that i really enjoyed it
0: and i am surprised honestly that with this far into the season we have what two maybe three things left to cover Mm -hmm. and somehow things are still new people are still finding new ways to explain things new ways to describe things new little plot twists on a story that is so very old and so very well known and it over could it could right it could feel very overdone. I was a little worried going into this that I would just be sick of the Iliad by the time we finished, but there's so much variation in everything that we're looking at and how people relate to the story and how they retell it that it's it's really very very enjoyable
1: yeah that that um kind of sums up how I was feeling as well because I mean we've gone through you know five six something adaptations now and I really thought at this point that i might have a little troy fatigue like like it's never happened in the past because i've only been ever been asked maybe at one time to go through two three at the most versions of it and at that point i'm like okay whatever but i've never been asked to do this many or not even been asked never been interested in going through this many in a row without a break it's
0: not something that really occurs to you I know this summer I'm just going to sit down and read and watch every single adaptation of Troy I can get my hands on. Who thought this was a good idea? Turns out it's actually a spectacular idea. I highly recommend it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I knew it was funny just because I was reflecting on how we made the decision. And I, I was thinking it was a bit funny because I was like, are Megan and I insane? Like, why did we have to pick? I mean, yes, but also. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also I was like, why did we have to pick like Why did we say we were going to do like 10 Iliads? I was like, isn't that a little too many Iliads? Like maybe we should have just said five. But I'm really excited because every single one I've actually enjoyed. i have not tired of it. And if anything, I'm excited to see a different one, even though I should be kind of tired of it. I'm like, no, I don't mind. Like, let's do something else. So that being said, join us next week for another adaptation of the Iliad. Exactly. Woo, woo. Oh, my goodness. I'm doing so many Iliads. Yeah. Well, I guess the last thing I really wanted to ask you is, is now that we're roughly halfway through the first season, I don't know where, where we are. We're roughly somewhere halfway mm-hmm. from when we did our predictions at the beginning. Has this adaptation helped move you either way in terms of changing an opinion that you held before?
0: I like Achilles more. ...than I did previously. He's obviously still a bit of a dick, uh, especially with the whole Briseis thing, but I feel that having the account of his adolescence, I guess, it it it's done a lot for me to um, like round his character out and kind of humanise him uh, in a way that I'm sure Thetis would hate because he's not human, he's a god. But I, yeah... I was I wasn't expecting to have an adaptation where I really did truly like Achilles. Wrath Goddess excluded because I, I feel like the Achilles in Wrath Goddess is just so outside of um the source material. But this is this is, I think, relatively true to the source material, and this is this makes a sympathetic Achilles. Even with the bad stuff he does, he's he's still for me a sympathetic character.
1: How what about you? Um, I think definitely same, like having this account now. But honestly, more than Achilles, it's rehabbed Patroclus for me because I just know that beforehand, you know him as Achilles' roommate, friend, uh, special beloved one. Um, but he again played sort of—he was—he was to me in a lot of adaptations. He's just like a character device, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's used as a device and not—he's plot, right? He's not ever really his own person i mean they try to give him some personality so you know i'm the brad pitt troy you know they make him okay he's his cousin who's totally platonic who is just very young and eager and then gets killed out of his eagerness and i'm like okay well that's not really 3d that's just you're making him young and eager and does a stupid thing gets killed i like that platonic cousin <laughs> I love how to make a distinction. Yes. Platonic cousin. Um, But so, you know, you have things like that. And then he was done a little better in certain other... I mean, they sort of made him a little more of a person in Troy Fall of a City. But again, not really. And again, the relationship with with Briseis in that one was not... I mean... He was kind to her, and then they have a threesome and then he dies, right. so that's not enough time. There's no description of how long is this relationship or friendship or whatever it is. It was nice to have Patroclus as a main character you're right rather than a plot device so I definitely appreciate patroclus more i I, I would say like I have stronger feelings about him now than when we started this when I was like he's just a cursory character you know do they you throw him in you know about him he's a
0: dude yeah
1: exactly so i definitely think that this did a lot for rehabbing patroclus for me um as well as achilles he went from like one-dimensional wwe fighter brawler type dumb brute to like actual sensitive human but also he was not the philosopher Warrior type that I was expecting from like a David Giazzi, Troy Fall of a City. So to not even see him in this like philosopher warrior th- space was also interesting. Because I felt like if you're a philosopher or warrior, you've got the sort of like you can use the moral high ground for not fighting. It needs to be it needs to mean something excuse. Um, but for her to take a very different tack and, and just sort of have used the, the human thing. That was like a third dimension that I was just like not prepared mm-hmm. for. And I really liked that there is an adaptation that does that. So definitely can say I very much enjoyed um, this portrayal of the both of them. And even smaller Kershi characters like Thetis. They mm-hmm. they mention her in a lot of other things. You just know she's the mother of Achilles. Um I could have done without Neoptolemus. I mean, we we already know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I see why
0: he was necessary, I think, to give that kind of ending for Patroclus, But no, I didn't enjoy him at all.
1: You rarely get Neoptolemus mentioned in any other adaptations. If you do, he's, like, mentioned worth it. I think, because the only other adaptation, really, where we hear of Neoptolemus is Thousand Ships with Andromache. So, again, you know, he's, like, a very small cursory character. And so... She brought him out of that obscurity where you might know his name, but not really other than he was the son of Achilles. So um, it made me went from thinking seeing him as just son of Achilles, random character, to I actually actively don't like this person. So I'm going to be interested to see if we see Neoptolemus really appear in anything else and I want to know and I I hope someone can rehab his image because if this is the only Neoptolemus we have then fuck I will be like I fucking hate Neoptolemus
0: he's just an awful person all around
1: yeah exactly well anyway this was a really good book I loved it highly recommended highly recommend and um with that, um, you know, if anyone has an opinions or comments, please send them to us. We love to hear from you. Suggestions on where we can go to find Neoptolemus not being a dick. Please. So, um, yeah, with, with that, uh, join us next week for yet another Iliad adaptation. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review, and you can also follow us on social media at The Reading Party Podcast. If you'd like to leave us a book or movie suggestion, then email us at thereadingpartypod at gmail.com. See you next week. (music)